Welcome back to another episode of the Cause R Us podcast. We are now at episode 32. My name is Joel. I've got Kim with me. I've got Jesse with me. We're finally back. I know it's been a bit of a break uh, since we last recorded an episode, um, which is mostly my fault because I was I was out gallivanting around Europe, spent some time in London, got to see Spurs play, sat in the South Stand. It was amazing. Spent a week in Milan, went to San Siro. It was amazing. Um, but now I'm back. So the pod is back. And I know there's a lot of Spurs things that have happened since we last reconvened. So, Kim, you've been in the South Stand, so maybe I'll, I'll start there because I have been to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium previously, but it was like a whole thing trying to get tickets and I didn't go through the allocation system before. So I had actually sat like in a suite. I was there with my dad and the uh, the experience was awesome. It was a little different, like you're a little bit removed from all of the the singing and the, everything that's going on. And so like this time I traveled with DC Spurs. We had a group of about 70 people that went out to London and it was uh, a beautiful day out. Actually, I think we had a 430 kickoff. So we were out at some of the local pubs, tying a few on before the match. The sun was out. I was in shades in in London in February, which was nice. And then we uh, beat West Ham 2-0, and we got a goal from Royale, which was pretty much a dream. I couldn't have drawn it up or or, or written it up any better. I knew. like The moment that goal went in, I knew you would be so excited. I was like, (laughs) this this just made Joel's day. Like I already knew. Oh, my goodness. And his lineup was as fresh as ever. So, you know, <laughs> the lineup is always fresh. If, if nothing Yo, else, I think he gets that thing cut. I feel like he gets a haircut like every day, because when you see him in training pictures, it still looks fresh. Like that thing is always fresh. The Jawan Howard of English football. <laughs> and so, Jesse, I don't know if you've been to the new stadium, but obviously 10 out of 10, uh, I would highly recommend it. No, not yet. It's on the list, obviously. As uh, you've been as to well. the old one, right? Yeah, yeah. I went to the one in the last year. Saw a two zero win against Southampton. Um, so no, haven't uh, haven't been to the new one, but uh, glad to see it. Glad that you uh, you dared to do the the skywalk and got brave up there. I sent the picture to my wife, and I was like, "Hey, what do you think?" She's like, "Absolutely not. Not even not <laughs> even close." So let me tell you about the skywalk because. We go up there. So the uh, the plan was already to do the skywalk. And basically, like, they give you a little video. They talk to you about what you got to do. They put on the suit and a bunch of clips. And you basically, like, walk up this big ramp. They 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 take you up to the top. And then they you have to, like, walk up this ramp to get to the roof. And then they strap you into, like, this harness thing. And you basically just walk around where the cockerel is at the top of the south stand. Um, so you're you're up there. You're able to kind of, like, you know, touch the the cockerel and, and you take photos and it was cool. I mean, it was a group of, I think, 15 of us. So you kind of go around it one by one, but you're strapped into like this thing and you're walking on a pathway. So it isn't as bad as it seems. Yeah, um, it's but- not. I, I did it when I was there. It's like, I'm not someone who, you know, has an issue with heights. And I thought it was just, you know, regular. I was like, oh, that's not bad. 
it was cool being like it's a different view of the stadium when you're standing up there because obviously you if you've been to the stadium if you've toured it um you know where the the giant even if you see it on tv the giant cockerel at the top of the south stand is like an iconic piece of the furniture of the stadium so being able to kind of walk up there and touch it and and just see the whole stadium from a bird's eye view was like really cool so i didn't have a plan to do the jump part and then we were up there it was kind of like oh well you know if you guys want to add this on you can do it and i think of the group of 15 of us only six of us decided yes the guy i was with who i was uh rooming with we had an airbnb together he was like oh i'm definitely doing it and i was like i don't know i'm on the fence and then i just decided you know what the hell i'm up here already why not um might as well you might as well and it was fun i'll say i'm pretty scared of heights and so the hardest part for me was actually like stepping on the edge and like but you dared and then you did that's how it works yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I dared and I did, and it was worth it. And the next time I go to London, I'm definitely doing it again. Like it was, yeah, it was fun. I I wasn't able to do it the time I went. It wasn't a good day. It was kind of like rainy and not so not so good out. So they were like, we don't really want to take people down it. So it just wasn't an option. But yeah. next time I go, I definitely will do it. Yeah, it's it was a great time. Um, anyway, enough about me. <laughs> I just wanted to give the context before we started talking about Spurs football, which has been mostly up except for today, which went back down. Like I said, it's been some time since we last had a podcast episode. So the last time uh, was right before the Leicester match. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot has happened since then. We want to give a recap for those of you who have been in a closet somewhere this is right after we beat city and so since our last episode we lost to leicester 4-1 we lost to milan 1-0 we beat west ham and chelsea both at home both 2-0 and then earlier today we lost away to sheffield united 1-0 if you're keeping track at home the recurring theme of our last six games is When we play at home, we win with a clean sheet. And when we play away, we lose. And so this is now three road games on the bounce that we have failed to win and actually only scored one goal in those three matches. So a lot to talk about, (laughs) Jesse. I don't know where you want to start. If you want to start with the the wins, if you want to start with the losses. Um, I guess since the Sheffield game just happened, What's your takeaway from that now that we are now out of another cup competition, the one that we were most likely to win this year? Where does that kind of leave us with this rest of the season still to play? Yeah, it's a big bummer. Um, now to be down to, to two competitions, the the two of the three that were remaining that we were, you know, as you said, significantly less likely to win. Um, uh, you know, especially seeing it, it, that there was a lot of, you know, second and third level teams that were getting to that were advancing. So it looked like Spurs um, road could have, you know, really only had to beat Man City uh, one more time to, to make it to get to make a good, good run in the trophy. So 
United's still in it too. United's the yeah, you're right. There, I mean, there's a couple others, but I think it was the the city was the scariest, uh, I guess. But maybe maybe United's more scary for as far as Spurs are concerned. Um, but yeah, absolute bummer. Um, to just the performance stunk as well as the the result. You know, sometimes it's it's like I don't know if it was Carabao or, or FA Cup, but when we lost five four a couple of years ago in a cup. That was, that was FA, Cup. FA Cup. That was yeah. awesome. Like I had fun. I would, I enjoyed watching it. Davo freaking uh, Davinson had a, had a brace. Like that was a fun back and forth game, despite the loss. Not all losses are fun, but like this one was just especially kind of like, uh, you know, I was like, it was around the 65th or 70th. I was like, Oh, they're going to score in like the 88th minute as in Sheffield. Um, but I also, I got what I asked for. I rather would have played Sheffield when, when it was, uh, when they were going back and forth with Wrexham on replays and trading goals there. So yeah, very disappointing. I think the one, you know, sort of more of the theme uh, of the last several games outside of the Leicester anomaly, which uh, the XG was super low. They just had some bangers in there. Um, but we've held teams, as you said, there's been four clean sheets in the, in the past seven matches. Um, and uh, two where we held the opponent to one. Now, one of them was an out-of-form um, Milan team. The other was Sheffield. So now that that's like, oh, wow, we held this. But it's also, you know, held Chelsea scoreless, held Fulham scoreless, um, held City scoreless, uh, held West Ham scoreless. So I think some of those things are encouraging. We're like kind of, you know, we can't put it all together at once. We can't get the defense rolling and the attack rolling and the, and the comeback kids second half stuff rolling. Like all those things have, have happened at different times, but at least it feels like we're in a better place defensively. Um, and once again, not as egregious as some of the other goals that we've given up this year, but that felt like Sanchez, um, not, a, not a necessarily a, a glaring individual, individual error, but it felt like Sanchez just, uh, messed up there on that uh on that goal just didn't you know didn't or let let the man have too much space um so yeah bummer to be out of it but encouraged by the 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 defensive improvements outside of the Leicester um which also again was was a lot of bangers I mean it's a Sanchez error but even in the gameplay leading up to that goal I remember thinking to myself like we don't look structurally together. Our defense was a little bit off. <clears throat> We're playing a 5-4-1 on defense with, with Kane at that time playing up front as, as the sole man. And the lines just didn't seem together. There was guys dropping off into spaces where there were no players. They just did something seemed off. Very different, almost a polar opposite of what we saw against Man City, for example, where the lines seemed very structured. There was a lot of communication. There was a lot of organization defensively that I didn't really see today. And even watching the second half, especially for Spurs to be such a second half team, and that's usually when we when we kick it up a notch and, and are able to turn games around, it felt like Sheffield was getting all of the chances. We turned the ball over consistently in the midfield and never really seemed a threat to score. I think if they had some guys with better finishing boots, they probably could have scored two or three goals. They just, yeah, they just didn't have the quality to do it. And it took one pretty impressive dribbling display, but also, like I said, poor defensive shape. And then, you know, eventually 
a good team scores. Yeah. Kim, when the like, game ended, like you, you, you said you didn't really know what to say about that game. And so I'm wondering <laughs> if now, after some I mean, time at the passed, time, I definitely didn't know what to say. I mean, I watched it at work, so I was half watching it. And, um, but what you could see is leading up to their goal, I just could see to like say to myself, like, they're going to score. I was like, they're just going to score soon. I felt it. Yeah. I was like, these guys are going to score soon because we're not. One, when we get the ball, people are just run, running down blind alleys. They're not doing anything with it. Like, there was no purposeful possession. I just feel like guys were making runs at the defense, and Sonny was then getting the ball and just shooting it into three bodies. Like, I just feel like the same thing happened over and over and over. Um, well, don't forget and... the Richarlison shot that managed to miss the goal by about yeah. 25 yards. <laughs> about and that davinson uh, had the, had the ball to him there right on that shot i thought it was davinson made the made the through ball to, to get him open so let's you know as i besmirch davinson at least let me give him a little bit of love <laughs> from that yeah and i thought also yeah. that when skippy came on he provided some nice forward passing but there was just a not enough of it and not enough finishing either yeah and so i think like what we've the good stuff that I feel like we've seen over the last like month or so, or not even a month or so, like the last couple of weeks has been when Emerson plays <laughs> funny enough. He's one of the guys Royale, like Royale, Royale, has brought Royale. a lot to like, I don't feel like we're getting as overrun in the midfield. And part of that is Royale is like tucking inside like a midfielder sometimes. And I think is giving that third body that we need that we um, like he's allowing Kulisewski to drift more outside and is actually taking up more of like a right midfielder role at times. And I think that's like a role that he's decent at because he's the thing Emerson Royal is good at is getting the ball and just moving it along. And usually he does that forwardly. He's not someone that always is looking to pass backwards. Like when he gets the ball up, up top, he is trying to move it into the space and he makes himself available for passes. So that's something that I feel like we missed. And guys were just not doing that enough. And yeah, it, like it was just disappointing. I just feel like the effort wasn't there. The team, like you said, wasn't structurally sound. Um, there just didn't seem to really be any organization. And I guess some of the guys that provide that organization on the right side is Emerson and Romero. So you don't play either of them. You lose some of that. Um we haven't been playing Parasitch a lot. And some of the good stuff that's happened has been when Davies has been on the pitch instead of Parasitch. Um, I don't think Parasitch looked that great today either. Um, occasionally today. put a ball in, but I mean, he hasn't yeah, looked I mean, great for a while, but that's why he's he got to really not start playing. anymore. Yeah. He's got to not start anymore. I know we're trying to but rotate. He has but... to, because who are they going to rotate with? Like just then, also hurt again. Then give like, Sess or then give uh, Davies 60 minutes and then, and then bring on Parasitch. When we, we play with Parasitch from the beginning, it's just like, he has some of the stuff, but I don't know. It's just, it's not it's kind of gross out there. Yeah. Uh, so, so like your main point about defensive organization, that is what I feel like we worked on. And that's what the, the players who had been playing, like what it was is these guys rotated in, you know, after what, three games, two or three games, most of them. So like the last time Poro played was Lester. The last time Davinson played was probably one of the earlier cup matches. Like they're yeah, just guys, some maybe. of these guys, 
has haven't yeah like probably about there um but some of these guys just haven't played lucas has like played spot minutes this is like his first start in a long time it's the first time Richarlison lined up up front it just like goes to show the the club doesn't seem to care much about the FA Cup that's what this shows me because which was which is weird because we played a strong lineup in the round before this so (laughs) what happened yeah uh, yeah, like I that's not trying to figure yeah. out like what what changed what what changed between the third round of the FA Cup and the fourth round of the FA Cup. Yeah, I know Benton Core's hurt and Hugo's hurt and Basuma's hurt. That's what's changed, but I still feel like we always do the wrong thing when it comes to like resting our guys. Like if we want to go further in these cup matches, like start a strong lineup and then make you got five changes you can make if you're three nil up like come on you make your changes yeah if <laughs> you try we to never kill the that. game we early put... then you can afford to rotate when the game is in hand not rotating when there's 20 minutes left a need your... yeah. Yeah. yeah but i feel like that's part of our problem is we just don't kill games for the most part we don't no. we're not offensive enough to kill games so it's like a catch 22 <laughs> like our it this is disappointing that's it um it is kind because... of wild like i was just looking at at not our, our our changes from chelsea but our changes from uh preston north end um from the previous time that our previous fa cup kind of crazy just looking at who we started um son parasich and kulisevsky so obviously we had son and parasich start um Sess hurt biz hurt Bentancourt hurt, Darty not even here anymore. Uh, and then Longley, Sanchez, and Tanganga on the back, and then Forster and Ed again. So, we, I mean, like, it's even a lot from there. But yeah, I don't, I mean, again, we're not in, in practice, but um, like, why bring in Danjuma so late? Um, yeah, to me, that was like, Sun just wasn't playing well. Like, I'm sorry. You should have took him off. I was, I was like, I feel like at like minute 55, I was like, all right, where is the sub? Get Sun off the pitch. Like yeah. I I was over it. I I, I was love like the Kane idea. and Kane I, Kane can come on for Richarlison. And like Lucas was the it's it's sad that we could that Lucas was the best of the three attackers and he wasn't even that good. Yeah. Do you remember I, I, do you remember what I said when the lineup came out? You did say the front three. Okay, I just, but to I, me, it wasn't just the front three. <laughs> like, if no, it was just the right. front three, then you're I think right. we'd be fine. We probably would have won if it was just the front three. Well, I'll say this too. I have done a lot of criticism of ESPN's football coverage because I just think it's not very good generally. But one thing I will say is that both at halftime and at full time, the commentary team was specifically talking about the lineup choices that we made and basically saying like, how is it possible that a team that's desperate to win a trophy is playing a lineup like this against a decent, a decent slash team. pretty good team that's going to be yeah. in the prem in the Not next sure. three to four months. Um, it does not read like a lineup that, is trying to win a game or is particularly starving for a cup 
And this is the same team that held City to a clean sheet. I mean, Chelsea holds themselves to clean sheets nowadays. <laughs> so maybe not as impressive. But this is the team that has shown the ability to beat big teams and big clubs. We've been on a nice little run over the course of the past few matches. Even the game against Milan, which was not really a great performance, there were some positives to draw from it. And we didn't look like garbage. Uh, and San Siro is a place that can really intimidate people. With all that said, like, it wasn't as if we were coming into this game in bad form. Uh, confidence was very high. We beat two rivals at home. All the things that were happening. The guys were playing freer with Stellini on the sideline. There was a lot of narratives around that. and Maybe, you know, the rigidity of Conte was causing players to maybe play a little bit too stiffly. And so coming into the game, it does feel like there was a lot of momentum in our favor that we simply forfeited by playing a lineup that, number one, like you said, a lot of those guys have not played very often or very recently. And number or two, together. that's the other and that's thing. the other point, right? Or like together. They, they don't have chemistry yeah. with one another. And I think when you are playing and building off of chemistry that a lot of that chemistry comes from guys knowing where other guys are. Da, 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 da. I know how this guy likes to play a pass. I know where this guy likes to be in a position. I know how to communicate with this person. And when you're rotating as much as we did, then you're losing a lot of that. And then you're kind of taking an advantage that you have and tucking it in your pocket and not using it, which is a very but strange thing to this do. This is like, this is one of my main like gripes with Conte overall is we have the players there when they're healthy. We don't seem to put them in the right positions. They get hurt. Then we don't have them. It's like, at least in the league, why did it take this long for Richarlison to get a couple starts? I'm not saying he's been great, but you see the difference when he is on the left side over Sun and he plays with Kane and Kulosevsky. Like our team just the rest of the team just has more verve about themselves when they press. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it seems like when Richarlison's on the pitch, like that's something that anyone that knew Richarlison played, that that's the kind of thing that he would bring to the team. If you feel like your team didn't go hard enough, it, isn't Richarlison the guy you put on the pitch? But it seems like we take forever to rotate someone in, and then we only do it when someone else gets hurt. And so these players don't have any rhythm with anyone when you do rotate them in. And then we all wonder like, oh, why do we suck? <laughs> like we, he has to get better of, about using more of his squad more often. He's too rigid about his lineups. He doesn't want to put more people in. And then I feel like down the road, the team suffers because when someone does get hurt, you're then taking someone who did maybe play with the second unit, putting them with the starters. So like a guy like Skip, if Benzikor was probably available, he would have started and he had, but he would have played a couple cup, cup matches with SAR. Like, I feel like we, we, we handcuff ourselves sometimes. A lot of times. Yeah. I mean, like you, we, you know, why I was so excited about the Richarlison move because it was, we were getting a guy that we didn't have an active need for. And that's what the best teams are doing is just like, we've already got a good attack. Let's get another guy in attack. But then to your point, Kim, is we're, we're only rotating when we have to, rather than doing what we just did with Richarlison in the summer. Like we've already got some strength here. Let's, let's rotate. Let's get, let's, let's stay ahead of it. 
and not rotate when we have to. So when we do have to rotate, the guys are more prepared. So it's, it's super frustrating. And, and again, like even on some of the subs earlier in, like, what do we expect guys to do in eight minutes? You know, a lot of the times the subs are, are too late. It wasn't super, super late. I don't think all of them today, but on a lot of that stuff, it's like, you know, but you can make a sub at 55. You can make a sub at 65. Yeah. Do it earlier. Like, and that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of the stuff content, you can make a sub has, at 46. You, you can make them in the first half. If you want to there, it is allowed. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, but uh, that's the thing. It's like, we, and I know this is the, the quite the opposite of what we were saying earlier in the season when we seem to only win games on the road. But recently, <laughs> our, our current form is that we, we're only winning games at home. And when you are playing in a away game, in a must-win game, against a scrappy team, a team that likes to be physical, the rain is coming down, like there are it had all of the signs and makings of a Tottenham cup loss. It, it had everything in place. <laughs> and when you know the story, that, the story, the story, yeah, like, and when you know that that's the situation, you are better, especially after the first half where it's like, okay, we actually didn't play very well. It's nil nil, which is like our typical halftime score anyway. All right, well, let's come out in the second half and maybe do something a little bit differently so that we can actually try to kill the game and not have it come down to the last 10 minutes. But there didn't seem to be any impetus either through substitutes or tactically to change or do anything that created any sense of urgency. And it felt like we were playing Stevie Nichols on the on the call at the end of the game um, when I talk about the ESPN uh, analyst guys. He was saying, like, if you watch this game without knowing which team was which, you wouldn't know which one was fourth in the Premier League and which one was trying to get promoted. And he's absolutely right. So I don't I don't I don't even know what to make of the decision. Um, I want to just blame Conte because I, I don't want to turn on Stellini at this point. But well, Stellini has said every day. You talk to him every any time that. Conte is very involved, so yeah. he still yeah, is the, involved. The Cellini streak is done, which is sad. I know. I wanted it from my guy because this was his last one. Yeah. And I really am also a little bit surprised by the way Kane looked when he came on because he looked a little sluggish and, like, he didn't really want to be there. And I mean, really maybe felt he to me see like how the – he could see how the guys around him were playing. You know, when you come into a game like that, that it's probably not going to go. I don't know. Like you can see Son yeah. and Lucas on one side or the other. And it'd be like, they've not been playing well all game. And I, he's been watching it all from the sideline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it just uh, feels like he would he, be the one guy who would be the most desperate for us to win this game. Um, and I didn't see that really from him. And, and maybe that was just him just saying like, screw it. We're going to lose. But, he doesn't really strike me as that That's type a of terrible player. attitude. Yeah, that's true. He had that header and I was like, oh, why couldn't you get that on frame? I don't know how much we should even take this game into account because we're never going to see this lineup again. <laughs> uh, we certainly won't see it on Saturday for Wolves and, and we're definitely not going to see it in the Champions League. The last thing I'll say about the Sheffield game is to me, and I've said this before on the pod, the FA Cup 
was the ultimate goal of this season. And now that we're out of it again in the fifth round again, it does feel like another season wasted, another season without a cup, um, another season where our biggest hope and motivation is going to be finishing fourth. And it's just, I don't know, it's just very deflating. And like, it feels very, here we go again. Um, especially <laughs> seeing Sheffield advance and, and being matched up with Blackburn, which would have been our matchup. <laughs> so it's like the opportunity to win a cup is probably the best opportunity we've had since 2019. And I think we just squandered it today. And now I, I'm I'm frustrated because I feel like all of the momentum that we had as a fan base has kind of been just sapped away from us. But also it just makes me feel a little bit like, like what is the point of the rest of this season now? Um, and yes, I understand we're top four. I understand we're still in the Champions League, but I don't really think that we're going to win the Champions League. And so like, I would have been per- perfectly fine with us losing to Milan and winning the FA Cup. That would have been okay with me. And I just feel like, I don't know, like Jesse, you are the optimistic member of this podcast. So, so help me out here. Like what, what are we, what are we to be excited about now that we are likely going to be another year without a trophy? Yeah, I think, the chase obviously for top four is still an exciting one. And so one that, that gets there is it, it's not a trophy obviously. Um, but that, that's something to be excited about. Anything can happen in the champions league too. Not that I'm saying, Oh yeah, we're, we're going to go out and, on a run, but like one Oh is an easy, uh, you know, mathematically, you, you know, the, the second or the easiest loss to overcome at home. So there's not, you know, a non-zero chance we could, we could get that moving. I think what I'd look to see if we can do over these last, 14 or so Premier League games and however many Champions League games we have have left is just you know we don't have our our best 11 with uh with Rodrigo out but like just let's see if we can do a few of these things at the same time be really really good in attacking in the second half play good defense have Kane and and Kuliseski back to where they were towards the end of last year so it's more of like a let's see if how we can look and let's see if hey this is something that we think that to, to look how we've looked at our, our peak, which I think was, you know, under Conte, which was the last part of last year and the beginning of this year when we started out, you know, on an unbeaten run. Let's see if we can recapture some of that stuff and do a few of the things that we've been doing at different times at the same time. Because if we do all those things at the same time, we're, we're, we're a pretty good team and a pretty tough team to beat. All right. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, and this is the thing. When Spurs are on, I'm going to watch. I'm going to root for the guys. I'm going to get excited when we score. I know that. In the small picture and when you're looking at things from a micro view, of course, I'm going to get excited when we win games. I'm going to get excited about how close we can get uh, to the top of the table. We're obviously not going to get to the top. And honestly, I do think we have a decent chance against Milan. Like I, like I said, I was at San Siro this past weekend um, before I got back to the States. And, you know, I, I was having a fun time with the experience, which was amazing. It's my first time ever uh, going to a, a, a Serie A game. 
And San Siro is just like a massive structure and the, the their south stand is nuts. They were lighting flares and, and all this type of stuff. But also just watching that team, they blow a lot of chances. I mean, Drew had a pretty bad game, um, even though they won. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, this team doesn't really scare me that much. And this is a team that we can definitely beat at home. I think the fact that we lost that game at all was a little bit unlucky. Forster made actually a great save for the goal that happened. And he just didn't really get any help from the defense in terms of clearing the ball after his save. But there wasn't a lot in that first leg that made me feel like this is a team that I should be scared about watching them live. I had the same feeling. And so like, I do feel like we can beat AC Milan at home. Granted, we'd have to beat them by more than one goal to avoid, I guess, what, extra time and then a a penalty shootout. Mm -hmm. So that is obviously still on the table because I could I could definitely see like a two one a two one game that goes to extra time or something crazy like that. But all that to say, I do think that there is a really good chance that we can get to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, which sounds absolutely insane um, after just watching us lose to Sheffield United. But that's what I feel. The other part of that, though, is the same problem that we've had time after time is that, and I think this was my my unhappiness with the lineup choice today, it just feels like we can't put in good performances when we rotate. That's a bigger problem, right? Like that, yeah. that, that probably has a lot to do with the fact that Conte doesn't rotate enough, and so our bench players don't put in a good shift when they do play because they're not getting enough playing time all the stuff that Kim was saying about chemistry as well. But if you're treating this game as a must-win game, then maybe you don't rotate as much. And it does feel like the games where we do rotate a lot are the games that end up like today ended up. And so a part of that, I, I know that our fan base will look at situations like that and say, well, that means we don't have enough squad depth. And that means that our bench sucks. And that means that we need to do better at recruiting. And that means that Enoch needs to spend more money and all these other things. I'm curious to know what you guys think about our bench, our options. And is it the fact that like our bench just isn't good enough to beat Sheffield United? Or is there something else there that maybe fans aren't looking at? Because it's not like we haven't spent money. We have. Uh, 45 for Poro, 60 for Richarlison. We got Kuti in, we got Kulu in, we got Benton Kerr in. And so, yeah, like Jesse, I'm I'm interested to know, like, what are your thoughts on our bench options? Are they just crap? Or is there something else at play that whenever we rotate, we, we can't seem to find a goal? I think there's so, so, so much better than last year. Um, obviously, still this year, we're, we're, we've got some, we've had some injuries throughout and, and, had Richarlison not missed time, I think he's a better option to start or to um, to come off the bench this year. And and Bentoncourt, you know, starting would be starting now. And then you have Skip or Sar, whoever didn't start on uh, Sar or uh, Skip. Skip was the sub, so you'd have Sar or Hoiberg as on as a uh, as a sub. But I think it's it's just sort of like we don't you can't rotate heavily and expect that the team to do well unless you rotate heavily 
more often so that because like we've talked about on this uh, earlier in this episode, like the guys aren't playing well together because it's a bunch of guys that barely ever play to each other and play with each other in any meaningful games or literally never play with each other in meaningful games. So, um, you know, like if you don't play, if we don't rotate, it's a chicken egg situation. If we don't rotate a lot, we're never going to be good at rotating a lot. We don't rotate a lot. So we're not good at rotating a lot. And then when it's time to rotate a lot or when the, the situation calls for it, you know, a lot of times the earlier this year we've called for, oh, why doesn't Conte rotate more, rotate, rotate more in some of these things? Well, here we saw it today and that, and we lost. Now you can, you know, points are always the same. Three points in August is three points in December and three points in, in that. And if you get knocked out early, but like, I don't know, maybe just doing some of this stuff earlier in the season, obviously Kane's fresh and wants to play in the third Premier League game of the year, but freaking sit him and just, put Sonny up top or put Richarlison up top in an optimal year that we can, so that these guys can feel more comfortable um, rotating. A lot of the, 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 that I think is that it's just, I don't know. You have to suffer through some of these, but to give guys the opportunity to to play with each other so that later this year, next year, when hopefully we're able to rotate on a more regular basis, and maybe we add a couple of, of new starters or, to downgrade some of our starters to bench guys or some good bench guys, um, you know, in the off season that, that we can actually rotate like a top team needs to rotate. So I think part of it is like, to be frank, I get why guys like Davinson are not getting rotated in. Like I get it. He's just not that great. So I don't want him playing. So we need to get a better person to back up Romero. Like, that's the kind of stuff that needs to happen. Like we need a better guy to back up Romero. We probably need a starting left center back. I mean, we probably need, we probably need like three new center backs, to be honest. I really think so. We need a guy that can actually play on the right. We need a guy who can start centrally and we need a guy who can start on the left. I think like we do those things but we've Our seen team Dev have, is a lot better. We've seen Dev have decent performances off the bench where he's looked like a good rotation option. He did not really, you know, surround himself in glory today, especially on the goal that he gave up. But I don't think Dev is someone who needs to be starting against Man City, right? But I, I do no. think that. But the he thing is, is he's not even like, a guy that. He's not even a guy that gets rotated against Bournemouth. Like, like he's not, he's just like, he, we, he's not even good enough to do that. To be honest, he plays cup matches. He has not really played. I think he only played when Romero was hurt. The moment Romero got healthy again, he basically starts every game except for the, except for the FA cup and the league cup. Yeah. And so like that, I'm, we just need, we need, better depth i feel like we have depth but they're just not that great to be honest i think so like you, it's decent so you feel in the like midfield. the rotation i feel like it's decent in the midfield like i feel like our five midfielders we have are decent but we need yeah. a better attacking option in the midfield like that's a that's definitely a one of those things we need. Like we could have used one more midfielder. We could have used one more attacker. I just feel like we have like a one more in too many places. And that's the problem with the team. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I, I think I probably lean 
more towards what Jesse was saying. Like, do I think that we have like a great, amazing squad from one to 18? Like, no, there, of course there are definitely situations and areas where we need to upgrade goalie being one center back being another um, and so on and so forth. Our, our midfield to your point does feel pretty settled with that said, you think about a, a coach like Pep, who obviously he, he's got different players than we have um, at Tottenham. But one thing about him is that he rotates a lot. So much so to the point where, like, for fantasy players, it's it's always like it's Pep Guardiola to... Roulet because you never know who he's going to play from week to week. Um, it's also why a lot of his players end up disgruntled and wanting to leave whether it's Raheem Sterling, whether it's Jacques Salo, whether it's uh, Gabriel Jesus, uh, Bernardo Silva wanted to leave at the beginning of this year. And players get frustrated because they're like, this guy's not playing me enough. But guess what? Him not playing guys enough for their liking has also led to him winning four of the last five Premier League titles. So <laughs> maybe he knows what he's doing. That also means, of course, that he has to constantly replace play players because they, they constantly get disgruntled and they want to leave, but they're leaving with a winner's medal around their neck. And so I do think to Jesse's point, like you have to rotate players more instead of just saying like, Oh, this is a premier league game. And because it's premier league and it's going to be a tough match that we have to stick. Like what happens if you play forest away and you start Richie instead of Kane? Like what happens? You might win the game, you might lose the game, but like, and the thing you is, might win is the game or like, lose the game if Kane starts in. Anyway. Right. Yeah, like, at minute sixty-five, you can bring on Kane. Like if you feel like Richie's not getting it done, you can bring him on. Right, he's available. Right. <laughs> I mean, even the game that we—correct me if I'm wrong—but I'm pretty sure in one of the games that we played, uh, City, he they didn't start Holland. Uh, they didn't start uh, De Bruyne rather. Yeah. Um, which is like arguably their best player and they're playing away to Tottenham. And he's like, well, you know what? I'm going to rotate. Like that well, is something is, that like, Conte I'm not is even never saying, going to do. I'm not saying we should do it against like the fact that they did that was kind of disrespectful because like we are at that time we were what fifth, like I would be playing a strong team against a team that's fifth. Um, it's probably why he lost, honestly. So yeah, I'm not okay, telling. I'm not probably saying not, for Conte that's probably to not do the it best against, example. Yeah, I'm. I'm just saying I'm not saying for Conte to do it against you know good teams, but like if you feel like you know a team is a team at the bottom of the table, you should feel like you should be able to rotate a little bit. Yeah, and I it it feels weird to blame a, a guy that's at home <laughs> recovering from surgery um, for us losing away to Sheffield, but it does feel like his rigidity in terms of transitioning players and rotating players and having that same lineup every week, regardless of what happens, regardless of form does affect what we see today. Like there, there is an effect of like guys, not, playing often enough or often enough together that when they do, they put in a crap performance and they lose to a team that we should have beat. 
And opportunity wasted. And and here we are now again looking at yet another year uh, without a trophy. This is the Quasar's podcast. You can follow us on Twitter as well as Instagram at Us Podcast. We now look ahead to the next set of Prem League games. Uh, well, actually, a Prem League game on Saturday away at Wolves um, and then the home leg against AC Milan on Wednesday. I wonder, Jesse, how you feel about the Wolves game coming off the fact that we have won our last two Prem League games we are almost certainly never going to see the lineup that we saw again today. So I, I wonder, will today's loss factor into the current momentum that we had going into the game? How do you think our form before Sheffield and after Sheffield might change or be the same as we go to Molyneux to play Wolves on Saturday? Yeah, I've got to figure it out, right? Because I've 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 transferred from the triangle to the roller coaster, and that when you think things are going really well for Spurs and everything's looking good, they do something like this. When you think things can't get any lower or you're bummed, they go out and beat City 1-0 or or whatever else, or 3-2 with a Kane 95th minute, you know, last year. So I'm trying to figure like, is this a low enough point getting knocked out of a cup and having the the uh the the trophy list drought continue? Or do we have to stumble again? I'm thinking this is a low point. The vibes are very low on the podcast. They seem like a lot of like displace or like um, just I don't care. Not I'm pissed. I just don't care is the, 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 the subreddit of Spurs that I felt like I got today. So I think it's a win. Uh, Wolves are always tough. I think we talked about this, you know, in the in the group chat maybe before, but just like where, you know, if it was coming off of this, if this was like a real bottom league team i mean wolves aren't doing great but like wolves have played spurs tough and have, have beaten us and you know uh, i can still see just an oiled up adama troyer just running down the side um and firing a you know a wide shot but a scary one at, at spurs defense before so <laughs> i think we'll be okay i think obviously we'll, we'll have to break this little road um l streak uh but i think uh i think that you know New manager bump, Conte out for three games. Now he's new again. So, uh, yeah, I feel good about Wolves. Um, I mean, they lost to Poole this week. Wolves, I mean, Wolves have, have have been a defensive team mostly and not done a ton on offense, but I feel like they're they're particularly um, uh, impotent in attack this year, if I, uh, if I can remember. They've the scored 18 league goals. Yeah. <laughs> which is the third lowest total behind... Nottingham Everton? has 18 and Everton has 17 and Southampton has 19. Yeah, yeah, so that's bad. Poor. Yeah. That's very, very bad. Um, and they're not, you know, their, their, their defense isn't uh, the hallmark that it used to be like ours. Isn't we've both given up 35 goals. So uh, maybe we give them one, but we, what we score two. <laughs> um, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I think, I think we'll, uh, I think we'll, we'll handle some business at the, at Wolves. Goodness. Nuno's not walking 35 that. goals is a lot of goals to give up, man. Um, yeah, our defense has been trash this year. Yeah. Hot it's garbage. a tough game. I do feel like Wolves always find ways to beat us in Tottenham. <laughs> um, and sometimes it feels like we have worse luck uh, when we play them at home than we do on the road. 
it's weird because I do feel like the vibes are going to be very bad in the locker room after a loss like today. But like I said, I feel like you get Romero back, you get Emerson back. You're going to go back to the team that's been winning. And mm-hmm. so I I do wonder how much the issues that we just dis- spent the past 30 minutes discussing are even going to be a factor because you're going to get all the good guys back basically. Um, and Wolves being a team that kind of want to do the same thing that we do. Uh, they kind of want to give up possession and, and hit you on the counter. Uh, we kind of do the same thing just in a different way. Um, we kind of want to suck the pressure in and then, play through the wingbacks to kind of create opportunities going forward. Um, but we also are a team that likes to give up position. And so it, it's an interesting matchup to kind of consider. I don't, I don't know what really what to make of it. We did play wolves earlier this year. That was the home match. Yeah. We won one. Right. nil. it was early. I think it was like, Oh yeah. That was August 20th. Uh, Harry Kane early. scored yeah. in the 64th minute. Uh, we had four shots on goal to Wolves three. We had 11 shots total to Wolves 20. And the possession was 49-51. Yeah. So pretty much a nothing game that Harry, Col- Harry Kane saved us at the end, which is kind of what he's been doing for a lot of this season. So, yeah, like I don't, I don't see a ton of goals in a game like this, especially with a game like where we're both kind of playing defensively. I think Conte being back at the sideline, screaming at everyone in to get in the right position. I, I don't know how that's going to affect the team's play. And it certainly doesn't make me feel confident that we're going to score a lot of goals. So I could, I could honestly see like a one, one draw or something like that. I do have actually better feelings about the Milan game, which I think will be a little bit more open for us. It's also a game that will be back at home where we have been performing a little bit better as of late. And I also feel like Milan is not as defensively sound as Wolves. Well, I guess Wolves aren't defensively sound that much right now either because they've also been giving up a lot of goals. But at least typically they are. Um, I really like Jose Sa as well. Like I think he's a really solid goalie. And so like that's a guy that you typically have to beat. Um, he's not going to just let you score on like a dumb play so yeah I I could see it being a low scoring affair maybe a 1-1 and then and then I think you know what what worries me is that I don't know that we're going to be able to beat Milan by more than one goal because we don't typically score all that much either and so like in the back of my mind I I really do feel like that second leg is going to go to extra time and then from there, I it's have no game. idea. Yeah, from there, I just have no idea what's going to happen. But I'm going to go 1-1 one, one for Wolves. And Jesse, what did you, what'd you say? 2-1? Is that 2-1? 2-1. Uh, yeah, 2-1. I am the most optimistic person here. Funny. Um, I'm actually going to go 2-0 because Give I feel it. like we Inject get Inject it, Kimmy. I love it. I feel like we get Romero and Emerson back and our defense is like instantaneously better. <laughs> That's true. That's the truth. I mean, so like I, I can see us keeping a clean sheet because of that. Um, if Forrester's not really tested, and I feel like what we've shown is like when we've had that fairly consistent lineup, 
with Emerson, Romero, I think probably Davy starts over Parasic again. Longley probably starts. Um, I feel like that defense is decent. And then if you put Hoiberg and skip in front of that, um, you know, Kane, probably Richarlison and Kulisevsky, I feel like that's a decent team. So I feel like we should win. And Wolves, like you said, Wolves have scored 18 goals all season. The one thing we have done is score goals and we've scored enough goals. Like we we've scored more goals than we've given up and we've given up a lot. And um, yeah, I don't feel like, I feel like Kane will, will definitely get back, you know, in the goals. Hopefully we get a little set piece or something. That would be nice. Cause I think that's what happened the last time it was like, Kane was like ghosting to the back post. It was either off a set piece or, might have been from open play but you know it was a cross in that Kane like ghosted in on somebody to to like head in I think or something like that so I definitely could see another one of those goals I hope like this is the game that Kulusevsky gets like his legs back because I still don't feel like he's been playing all that well like even though we've won no we had he a couple of two no wins feel like, like he's like, back he, to normal yet yeah so I'm hoping that like a game like Wolves hopefully will give him the chance to to get his mojo back. How do you feel I'll about the Milan matchup? Do you, are you nervous about that game? Are you confident? Uh, I feel like we're probably going to play the same exact team that we play against Wolves. I got, just, you got a little so bit Jad, of a gap, a little four, four day gap from Saturday to Wednesday. So, yeah, I feel like they, the same team plays again. And I think that's part of the reason they rotated so heavily today was so they could play a very strong team against um, in the Premier League, and then a very strong team also in the Champions League, and they knew it's going to be the same think, team. And so, but don't you think me, today's game is more important than the Wolves game? Am I alone? All in I'm there? saying is, what whose idea about what's important? That's 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 our question. What does the club think uh, is important? Yeah, they probably think getting top four and getting in the next round of the Champions League as a club, you're going to get more money. It's this is all I feel like a lot of this is all about money. Like we get to the next round of the Champions League, that's more money. That's a better like coefficient. That's better for us going forward. Like that's the stuff that they care about. These English cups, they really don't care. Like I've it's really come to I've seen I've said this from I mean you could you could say the same thing from when Poch was the coach. He didn't care about the cups either. But is that like management? It's on that left wing back. I wasn't even a fan, and I've heard enough about that. I'm not. I'm not saying that's right. All I'm saying is, do you think that's the coaches, or do you think that's coming from the top down? Like, do you think like Pochettino and Mourinho and Conte just don't care about these cups, or is it like, are they being? I feel like it's what to care. I feel like it's definitely something that the club probably at the top emphasizes like oh we really you know don't give it getting top four these. and getting the champions like getting as far as we can in the champions league will allow this is, us to this buy is the job that we're hiring you to do yeah. yes i mean i saw so i think some of it is that but also like i think some of it is just you know the stuff that we brought up is like some of the rotation options in these cups that pochettino made were like egregious and 
Yeah. Like people just playing entirely wrong, like not even like rotating someone in to play the same position. Like you're putting them entirely different place on the pitch and they, they have, they don't even play like that kind of stuff to me is like, that's crazy. Um, but Conte adds, like, I think it part, it really is. We just did not rotate enough this year when we felt like we had rotation options and we started rotating when guys got injured. And so it doesn't feel like, like the guys we would have been rotating in to have good minutes didn't get to do it. They, now they have to play. And now we're rotating in people that we probably don't want to play. Uh, so, you know, I think it is in what the, it is. In, in which trophy is more important. And, and I was, I was looking at this on, I think I was in the Spurs subreddit for a little bit too long after the game today, but just like, you know, the, the does like it, what's the most important thing, right? Like if it's a trophy, like, uh, you know, FA cup or care about cup, like, is it a trophy? Yes. But like, then the jokes in the internet go from, Oh, Spurs, you haven't won a trophy in 15 years to Spurs. You want a freaking Mickey mouse trophy. Like, is it, I mean, I'm not saying I don't want to win a trophy, but clearly yo, there are, are levels to trophies. But and- yo, I don't care. I like, honestly, I don't care. We win the league cup. I'm going to be happy. Yeah. Because I haven't seen a championship for any team that I actually care about in years at this point. So, like, doesn't matter if it's the Mickey Mouse of the Mickey Mouse. I know when I saw Casemiro win that League Cup, he was hype. These players are going to be hype. The fan base is going to be hype. And I don't think as first fans, we should really care what people think about which cup, whatever. To me, at this point, that really doesn't matter. I just want to see this team start to win things. No, yeah, and that wasn't my. I mean, culture. Any, winning yeah. is a habit. Like, yeah. anything short you have of to winning, build the it. you got to do it. Yeah, I mean, like, listen. What for me, the issue is that when an organization says like, we care more about the coefficient and the money being added to the pot than we do care about getting a cup in the trophy cabinet. To me, what that really is saying is like, we don't give a damn about our fans because regardless of what Twitter banter you hear or regardless of what the talking heads are going to say on ESPN or on, you know, Sky Sports. The fact of the matter is when a team wins a cup is something that the fans can be happy about, that they can celebrate that they can feel like their support of the club is, is being paid off. And when you fail to prioritize that, then you're basically saying we don't prioritize our fan base. Like that's really what it is. It's like Spurs ownership doesn't care about us. They just want to charge us ridiculous prices for tickets. And they want to trot out a nice stadium and like, say like you guys better be happy with us finishing top four every year and to me that i just i just don't understand that mentality especially for a club that has such a dedicated and amazing fan base like that the just the sheer unwillingness to repay them is really disappointing it's disrespectful Um, yeah yeah and my my thought wasn't necessarily that like spurs should try to win the the fa cup so that other internet fans are, or other fans are, are nicer to them on the internet, but just like that there, there are clearly levels to the four trophies possible for an English uh, soccer team to win in the same way that 
you know, I would care more about Spurs winning a trophy, you know, versus some other of the teams that I care about, but there are other teams that I would care about more winning than Spurs winning a trophy. So that, that exists as through the fans lens that also exists through the club and the coaches wins. Again, I'm not saying we should try and not win titles, but like, that's clearly however's deciding this of just like, this doesn't matter as much to us. Kim, you know, you sent the tweet about the last, uh, you know, the center backs <laughs> in the last uh, six times that Spurs were made to the cup. Clearly there's something involved in the club. If that's three or four managers have, have gone out with the same 100%. collection of Dyer Davies and, and Davidson in back. So Again, should they change the priorities in, in this year? Like, should you try harder and say, hey, more it's more realistic for us to win the FA Cup, so we're going to put our best and brightest here versus, you know, we don't have a shot really at Champions League, so let's, let's, let's you know, let's get a rest there or something instead. It was probably a month ago, Lucas Mora was getting his legs back with our under-18 team, and to start him in the fifth, fifth round, uh, the, I mean, you're having a laugh at that point. You know, like I, that was the most offensive part of the lineup to me. <laughs> is the fact that they put that Lucas, was egregious. It was. They it put was. Lucas in the starting lineup and then had the nerve to put his photo up there with the <laughs> with the starting lineup announcement. Like, yo, this is what we're doing. We're out here, baby. They just they trolling on. They trolling. They trolling. It, is, it felt <laughs> like, yo, you really are having a laugh. Like, what are you doing? So this I'm is like, where we are. Bro. This is where we are. Um, like I said, Wolves on Saturday, big yeah. Champions League game against AC Milan at home on Wednesday, and we'll see. Yeah, I really goes. feel like it. I really feel like that one's gonna be that two-one extra time. Like I can feel it. Oh, oh yeah, one hundred percent in my bones. Like I can feel it. Like yeah, but if we score three goals, I'll be so happy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely feel a two-one extra time. Like I. It just feels it feels preordained at this point. <laughs> a Raphael Leal goal and a cane brace. Yeah, extra and then, time. Yeah, penalties. And then it's, and then it's madness from there. <laughs> oh man. Well, oh, we yeah. go again. All Saturday. Right. Me too. Saturday. Let's let's try to get some good momentum going into the midweek draw. And what else can you say? Come on, you Spurs. Come on, Come on you Spurs. You Spurs.